Amen. All right, so we're going to get to Acts 10. Go to Acts 10 real quick. Pastor Tim, we're going to start right in verse 1 and uh, go ahead and read. We're going to get into this. And I want to talk about the topic of trusting to change tonight. All right, trusting to change. How many can say, Pastor Gail, I'm trying to change? Come on now. Whether Whatever it is, disciplines that you're trying to, to put in your life, whatever it is you're doing, I'm going to try to give you some help tonight on what it requires to really make a change, not just to put wishful thinking out there, but to really make a change in your life, whether that is something from a physical side of things, whether that is a spiritual side. You're going to find out the older that you get, the more wise that you get. You cannot separate spiritual and physical anyway, because to do to do anything physically, you're going to have to tap into something spiritually. And if your spirit man is jacked up, it's going to be really hard to do something physical. And so you're going to have to really learn to lean into the things that the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. So it's important to get your spirit man right. To get your spirit man right. Okay. So let's get in this. Acts chapter 10. And uh, say amen when you're ready. Let's read. Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius. A centurion of what is called the Italian cohort. All right. Centurion. Which automatically means what? He's not a Jew. Why is that important? This is fundamental theology in the New Testament. I'm going to try to teach tonight. He's, a, he's a, not a Jew, which means that to the Jewish people, remember Jesus said, I've come to save what? I've come and I was called to the lost house of Israel, right? So most people, when they read that, they think that Jesus being a Jew was only sent to the Jews. That's ridiculous theology. He said that because he was trying to show the Jews something in that context, okay? There was two places in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, where we see Jesus said, you have great faith. Both of them was a Gentile. It was not a Jew. We know that for God so loved the world, not the Jew, right? Even if you claim to be Jewish, it doesn't matter. There's no favoritism in the kingdom. Paul said that the true Jew is born from above, Jewish And most people don't know this, and this is what kills me about false doctrine in the day that we live in. Most people think Jew is an ethnicity. It's not. It's a religion. It's a belief. Anybody can be a Jew. It's it's a belief. Judaism is a belief. It's not a religion. That's kind of Judaism for dummies in the book. You know, I'm not calling you a dummy. It's actually how the books are titled. Um, But it will tell you that right off the rip. Um, Judaism 101 is that Judaism is a belief and you can practice you can be a practicing Jew no matter what your ethnicity is All right, I'm very careful to also not use terms like you're one race I'm another race that's not we're only there's only one race it's a human race now there's different ethnicities there's only one race all right so let's let's get into this so this man was first of all he was a Gentile why is this important because Acts 10 is the first book that we see after the Gospels Okay, Peter just went through this transformation period to where he walked with Jesus for three years. Now after, now you remember, Peter was a, was a fisherman, but fishermen of that day was probably considered the truck drivers of our day. Right? Now if you know anything, maybe that's just a thing that you guys aren't familiar with, but truck drivers are common. Anybody ever been to a truck stop? They're dirty, they're, it's not clean, it's, they're some nasty folk. Now I'm not saying all of them, but there's some nasty folk, right? Uh, they live on the road, they eat on the road, they shower in truck stops, they do all the stuff that ain't no woman in here doing, right? But this is what they do. And these fishermen was these type of people. Most of them have foul language. We know Peter was a cusser already. Um, a lot of stuff going on with Peter. And so here's Peter walking with Christ. 
Now, walking with Christ is challenging everything about Peter. It's impossible to follow Jesus and not be checked at your deepest places of pain. It's impossible to be a true follower of Christ and not be checked. If you're not used to being checked, you're not following Christ. If him checking you comes as a surprise, I'm curious as to how you're following Christ. Uh, Because the God I know checks me on a daily basis. Constantly checking me. Don't do this. Don't do this. Man, if you don't sit down, (laughs) I've heard the Holy Spirit tell me to shut up. And not in the Greek. He said it in plain English. This is shut up, doc. You know, uh, all kinds of things. There's, it's, it's, it's my relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's always checking me. And so here's Peter. I'm trying to give you the context. Acts 10. All Peter knows is Jews. Peter's connected with the Jews. Peter's the one that Paul called a racist. He didn't use the term racist, but he put him on blast in the Jerusalem council. He says to him, he says, listen. He says, you, 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 you're saying all this Gentile stuff, but when you were sitting here eating, you're, you're still eating with who? You're eating with the Jews. How come you ain't messing with the Gentiles? And Paul calls him out on it. That's what I love about Paul. Paul didn't care that this man was considered the chief apostle. He didn't care. He said, listen, you're preaching one thing, you're doing another. I'm, I, I'm going to call you out on this because this matters. Nothing shows equality. Like the dinner table. I'll let you sit on that for a second. It's important. It's fellowship. It represents fellowship, relationship, all these things. So here, here's where we get. So here's a Jew. He's met Jesus. He's learning the Holy Spirit. He's met Jesus, but he's learning the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's the context. Everybody say, he met Jesus. Still getting to know the Spirit. Now, let's watch this. Here's Cornelius. Here's a Gentile. Now, let's read. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the he day. Was a, he was a giver. This man was a giver. He was devout, but he was a giver. Now, watch this. Watch this here. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. He is staying with a tanner named Simon, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who was speaking to him had left, he summoned two of his servants and a devout soldier of those who were his personal attendants and after he explained everything to them he sent them to Joppa okay so here's Cornelius I need you guys to get this tonight Cornelius has literally had a vision from the angel he said go get Peter showed you where he's at he's in Joppa go get him they're on the journey they're on the way right now here's coming the Gentiles are coming to this Jewish man Peter now watch what happens Peter now it's going to pick up what happens to Peter while he's waiting on them he just don't know they're coming yet Watch us. On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. But he became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. And he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheep coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. 
And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean. Okay, now watch this. Lots going on here. Now, this may sound like you're losing me. How many of you ever read the Bible and you're like, you feel lost? Let me, let me bring this in. Here's what's happening. And this is really important for prophetic people. If you have a prophetic gift, you need to get this. Notice that Peter's vision had to do with hunger. But before he went into trance, he was physically hungry. Sometimes God will take what is happening in your physical life. Your physical life to birth something in your spiritual life. He'll literally use the hunger pains that you have on this side of reality so that when you tap into something deeper spiritual, that's going to be the very spiritual metaphor that he uses to get you to understand something as it has to pertains to his heart. This is how this is. This is really, really important. Okay, notice Jesus was in the wilderness fasting 40 days for a night. What was the first thing the enemy tempted him with? Bread. Bread. He was done with the fast, which means he had permission to eat the bread, but he still said no. That's good. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying? Okay, now watch this. So here's Peter. He goes into trance. He sees all these unclean animals. Why would he call them unclean? I'm teaching tonight. Why would Peter call them unclean? Because he was a Jew, and Jews do not eat unclean animals. You, if you've ever met a real Jew, you don't take him to get baby back ribs. They're not eating pork. As a matter of fact, Shawnee and I went on a date last night. It was kind of funny. Uh, she, had to bring, she had to bring this up. There was a bee. We was outside. It was a wasp or something. It was all over us, man. I'm like, good God. I kept swinging at it. <clears throat> it got so irritating, we couldn't even enjoy our meal. So, <laughs> so there's some Indian folks sitting behind us from India. And they're, <laughs> they're there. And it lands on this guy's back. I said, man, I said, I can't take it anymore. Hey, stay still. I'm, I'm going to kill this thing. He was like, kill what? I said, the bee. He said, oh, no, I don't know about killing the bee. I said, no, just stay still. I, my big self, I'm swinging. He's like, you know, well, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that he said, don't kill the bee. It wasn't because he didn't want me swinging on him. It's because they believe in reincarnation. Yeah. That bee is somebody yeah. in a former life. I was about to take a life in his opinion. I was about to kill that, that religious devil. I said, stay still. Chuck is dead. Like, you know, like I was trying to kill this thing. This joker, uh, he sucked in both lives because he's bothering me now as a bee. I didn't realize that that was their belief. Sean had, had to remind me that they believe in reincarnation. This man, but this is what's crazy. Because of his belief, he was willing to be bothered during his place of peace. Because he believed that that bee in the form of life was a person. <laughs> Man, I hope they're not right. Because <laughs> I got to think of all stuff I've done in my life. I'm probably going to be an ant or something. Like, I was thinking, I, <laughs> I said, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be a, a grasshopper, a, a mosquito or something. So, they better not be right. So... <laughs> Just a little side trip. But so here's what's happening. So Peter, a Jew, they don't need unclean things. And so God's showing him a vision of unclean things. What does it mean? He's trying to prepare Peter for the encounter with Cornelius. Because who eats unclean things? The Gentiles. 
He's trying to prepare him in a vision to receive Cornelius from a place of honor, of honor, come on now, and not separation. He's trying to prepare Peter because Peter was a Jew and in their mind they thought they was the chosen ones. God's trying to break this mindset in Peter because his encounter is going to depend on it. God's sending an answer to Peter. His life, he has, he's in a dilemma right now. He's stuck in Joppa. The whole government's after him. God's trying to get him out of there through a Gentile. His answer from God is coming from a face he is not familiar with. The thing he's waiting on is coming from a source that he does not even honor, that he does not even respect, that he doesn't even think is chosen. Matter of fact, he calls him unclean. God's put the answer inside of a vessel, and he's trying to prepare Peter's heart for this thing. He's saying, listen, you see the unclean animals? Eat, man. Eat. Peter says, no. First First thing since Jesus dies and resurrects, Peter's first encounter with the Holy Spirit without Jesus having to guide him through it. And he says no to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's stuck in religion. He's stuck in religion. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Let this rest on you. It is harder to deliver us from religion than it is sin. It is engraved in us. Once we grow up in church, depending on the church you grow up in, I'm telling you, you're either going to be a Pharisee, a Sadducee, and how do I know that? Because the rules mean more than the relationships. Or you're going to be free. Depends on what you're doing. It's harder to grow a church when you're detaxing people from religion. Because it takes time to do that. It's not about just building membership. It's about transforming minds. I need more than just three encounters with somebody. Because I got to walk you through this deconstruction process of understanding what's really spiritually taking place in your life. Amen. So Peter is at this place now to where he gets this. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The spirit, the first thing the spirit would do is challenge what we think we know about God. The first thing the Holy Spirit would do in you And that should hit us at a deep place right there. That simple statement. When you are getting to know the Holy Spirit, he's not going to start speaking to you about everybody else. The first thing he's going to start talking to is you about you. Doggone it. Silence your prophetic words right now. We don't need to hear what you think about me and my future and destiny and all this stuff. You need to let the Holy Spirit deal with you. Come on. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Not me. He ain't using you to guide me. Come on now. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is deal with you. Deal with your mess. Deal with your dysfunctions. Deal with your false perceptions. All the things that we got. And I'm telling you, we all have them. We all have them. And it is so imperative to understand that when the Holy Spirit is building a relationship with you, he's coming after what you think you know. Peter knew People that follow God do not eat unclean things. And the first thing the Holy Spirit shows them is unclean things and tells them to eat. 
What would stop? Why did he say no? Because the law said don't eat unclean things. Peter was so familiar with an old move of God. I seen you post Graham Cook today. He was so familiar with an old move of God, he missed the new move of God. He was so locked into the old move of God. I've said it one time. Faith comes by hearing, not having heard. We don't stand on what God said. We stand on what he's saying. You can get, listen, it's the Abraham, Abraham thing. He tells him, listen, put Isaac up there. I want you to, I want you to kill him. And if he would have done that, he would have been obedient to God and missed God at the same time. The first voice said, put him on the altar. I want you to slay him. But the second voice said, before he slayed him, don't slay him. If he would not have heard the preceding word of the Lord right there, then he would have missed God. Why following God? So many people are missing God because they're stuck in an old movement. They're stuck in a dying movement. They think it still works because it draws crowds. No, 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 no. It's just that people are a sucker for religion. They're a sucker for religion. We love to attach to things that make us feel as if this person or this movement has all the answers. But you know you're getting free when you can walk with some mystery. That's how you know you're on the right track is when you have questions that cannot be answered, but your trust walk is building. Come on, somebody. That's how you know you're growing is when you're growing in faith. I'm teaching good tonight. So this is this is an important thing. Uh, Peter was there. So I want to I want to pick this back up here. Go to Genesis chapter three. This is going to get real good. Genesis three, one through seven. Amen. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you should not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat from Where it. Where was the tree at? In the middle. Keep going. You shall not eat it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will Why not die. Why would God put the greatest temptation to mankind in the middle of a thing? Oh, we're going to get deep. Need you to stretch your, stretch your spiritual minds here. God put the greatest temptation to mankind in the middle of a thing. It is so imperative that you stay faithful in the middle of a thing. Oh, we start out good, man. We start out declaring. We start out, man. We start out with strength and power and positivity. And we got all the revolutionary ideas. And we got concepts. Listen, we had a vision meeting here, what, four months ago. Everybody said, Pastor Gail, I'm with you. Four months ago, I'm with you. I said, there's a ministry of presence. I'm with you, Pastor Gail. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I just watch. I just watch to see who's just, I'm with you. And I just watch. As a pastor, because I realize, and I'm not beating nobody up tonight. I'm just saying, as a leader, I watch people. I realize, are you one of the type of people that I got to constantly pull on to be faithful? Or is your faithfulness coming from your relationship with God? I'm not asking you to come to church because I need to see your pretty face. I'm asking you because it has to do with your destiny. I'm trying to grow you up, but I can't drag you to destiny. Come on, somebody. I may be a part of your life. I'm called, but I cannot drag you to your destiny. At some point, you're going to have to get up and walk towards it. And you need the local church. Watch this. And I know this is going to irritate folk, but I'm going to say it because I'm just in that mood tonight. You cannot be a mature Christian and not go to church. It's just not happening. The body is designed to go to church. Give me scripture, Pastor. Forsake not the assembly of yourself. Come on, somebody. 
the local church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, it is needed. Our job is to grow you up and to hold you responsible and to bring you into the things that God has called you to do. You need pastors in your life. You need leadership in your life. You need the church because we offer rebuke, correction, exhortation, come on, counsel, prayer, all of these things, edification. We offer these things. This is what the local church is for. The local church is a beacon of light and hope to society. It is so imperative. And right now, I've got so many people that I get on social media and they're body bashers. Well, the church ain't doing it. Why don't you pray about being the answer? Get off the dog on social media. Grow up. Pray about being the answer. You need the local church. You can complain about your job, but I guarantee you show up. Guarantee you show up. Absolutely. You say, well, I, I show up just because I need the check. No, no, no. You show up because you want the freedom that the check gave you. That's why you show up. If you'll learn that principle about the church, that we give the same thing. You come and you grow spiritually. Come on, somebody. And you get the freedom that you need so that you can operate in life through the lens of the kingdom. I'm teaching tonight. So look at here, Genesis. Let's continue. So the tree's in the middle of a garden. Come on, say, don't die in the middle. Come on now, let's watch this. Let's continue here. For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. See, this is how the Bible says that the serpent, he wasn't a snake at this point. We don't even know if he ever became a snake. It just said he was cursed to crawl on his belly. A snake does that, but there's other things that do that as well. Um, here's, here's what's interesting about this. He's, he was talking to the woman and he says to the woman, he says, you're going to know, you're going to be like God, knowing good from evil. You're not going to die. You're not going to. He's, it's funny that death comes into this deception because it's something that Adam or Eve was not even familiar with. They didn't even know what it was because they was eternal at this point. We don't know how, we think, we read Genesis as it was a literal six days, but I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, maybe I'm the only pastor that would tell you this or believe this, the earth is definitely, definitely older than 6,000 years, millions of years old. We don't know what happened from day one to day six. We don't know what happened. I, the sun wasn't even created till day three. The sun was created after light. And if you judge a day by the by the, the, the sun going up or coming down, you don't even get that till day three. The, Peter said that a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. There's so much stuff that I could argue on this stuff. We, we have no idea what happened between day one and day six. Something happened. There was a whole lot of work going on for God to have to rest on the seventh. I don't see the Almighty getting wore out in six days. Something was happening in all of this stuff. And this is hypothesis. Nobody knows. There will be creationists or other people that would argue both ways. But, but for me, all the evidence points towards an old earth 
uh, an old earth creation. But it doesn't matter either way. The point is that Adam and Eve had walked with God for quite a while. For quite a while. And to be tempted with something like, if you eat this, you're going to die. You're tempting me with something I don't even know what that is. This is the problem. The tree, they, they was not to touch. Here's the issue. It still had fruit on it. They ate something off it. Still had fruit. It was still growing something that was delightful to the eye. To the point to where she was intrigued. And were typically intrigued by things that were not supposed to touch. We typically want the thing that we've been told no about. And it's not because we really want the thing. It's just that we want to feel free or feel accepted or feel powerful. And getting that satisfies that itch. All of, Most of us have been in a relationship where we didn't really care about that joke of the way we thought. It was more about what the relationship looked like to other people and how we felt about ourselves. Amen, somebody. So, so watch this. Let's, let's, let's continue to read here. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Okay, so here's what happened. And I'm just going to get down to this and then i got to move to one more point. Everyone say the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees in the middle of the garden. One was the tree of life, which was eternal. Right? The tree of life. That means everything this tree, anybody who ate of this tree, everything about it was life-giving. What do you think this is a representation of? Christ. Everything about him is life-giving. The spirit, the kingdom, it's all one package. This is the tree of life. Here's the problem with the knowledge of good and evil. The tree is not bad. God didn't say don't touch it because it's bad. He said don't touch it because of what it yields. It changes the position of the relationship. God cannot create evil. The Bible said that everything he created was good and then very good. And the tree was in the middle of that. This is really important to get this. Why was the tree of knowledge and good and evil such a bad thing? And we're still on this thing with Peter. Because we was never, desi- we was never designed by God to be a judge over what's good and what's evil. What is messing us up in our life is we are still trying to judge what is good and what's evil. It's why we do relationships wrong. It's why we take the wrong turn in certain areas of our lives. We'll say, well, that looks like pain. That must be evil. That might be the very thing God's leading you to to get a breakthrough. If you can't face some of the things in your heart that God wants you to face that's going to bring freedom on the backside of it, you're never going to be free. You'll never conquer what you will not confront. Sometimes... God will have you look at the ugliest side of yourself because on that, in that conversation that he's having us look at, he's going to reveal a truth about you that's going to bring a freedom to you. I'm telling you right now, if we would learn to face the things the Holy Spirit puts in front of us, we would stop looking for peace externally. You would stop making some of the stupid decisions that you constantly make over and over and over. Why? Because you found peace internally. Yeah. 
There's nothing like it. Now, I know not everybody has been through some of the things I've been through, and I've not been through some of the things you've been through, but I'm going to tell you at 42 years of age, more and more and more and more peace is becoming a priority. It is becoming a priority in my life. It is very difficult for me to hang around jokers that do not have peace. Because I, 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 even though I recognize my assignment to be involved in people's life, to bring peace and healing to people's life, it is hard for me to be around somebody that is at war with themselves constantly because it is toxic. It is, it is, it's, it's, ta- it's taxing. It's, it's, ugh. eventually you, you get wore out because what's on them starts to jump on you and it gets very, very hard sometimes. And you got to guard your peace. You got to make appointments with peace. Y'all got to make appointments with peace. There's going to be times where you got to put peace in your calendar and say, you know what, man, on Saturday from nine to three, my phone is off. I'm here. <laughs> Whatever brings you peace, I'm there. I'm doing that. I'm relaxing. I'm setting my mind like Flint. I am literally going to just sit here and rest in peace. It is scheduled. <laughs> or I'll open myself up to anything that's going to cause conflict. The knowledge of good and evil has become a problem for humanity. God never designed us to judge that. The way God wanted Adam and Eve's relationship to work with him is through complete trust. That's how it was. God just wants us to trust him. He says, go, quit looking at it saying, I don't know, God, that looks evil. Just go. Don't be like Peter. That looks unclean. That looks unclean, God. I ain't eating that. No, no, I'm a good Jew. That looks evil. That looks painful. No, no, no. Trust. He said, go, go. That's what he said. He said, go. Knowledge of good of evil will rob you of trust in your relationship with God. And some of us are mistaken thinking that we have the spirit of discernment. You just have the spirit of the tree. There's a big difference between flowing in the spirit of the tree which is knowledge and good and evil. Man, that's a good word right there. And discernment. Discernment is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit manifesting in enlightened hearts. Knowledge of good and evil is your experiences replaying in your life, looking at different faces, trying to figure out which, which, uh, how this will work for you or against you. Man. <laughs> Y'all catch that right there? There's a difference. The discernment of the Holy Spirit comes from the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not thinking about whether this is for you or against you in those terms. It's coming from the Holy Spirit's all knowledge, all encompassing knowledge telling you to do a thing. And he's giving you he's giving you wisdom through his his foresight. Knowledge and good and evil judges a thing based on how it affects us individually, and then we project our feelings and our experiences onto another. And you can prophesy from both angles, the tree or the discernment. We got a whole lot of people prophesying from the tree thinking it's prophetic ministry. It's not. It's tree ministry. Come on now. You still on them trees. This too deep. We getting this. This is this something tonight. I'm telling you, man, this should be a full house. 
Swing over here to, to Luke 19, 1 through 8. But before we get there, look at here just real quick, and I'm going to close with this one. The two trees, one was life-giving, the other one was knowledge-giving evil. One was the knowledge. It was information. That's what she had, is information. The other one was transformation through trust. This was knowledge through disobedience. This one is transformation through trust. Catching that? So important. So, so, so important to get that. So, look at here, Luke 19. Now, this is probably my favorite passage of tonight. Watch this. Let's read. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Here's Jesus going through Jericho. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. So he's, a, he's another Gentile. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable, to, was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass. Now, how many, ran. when you're reading scripture really make an emphasis to find the context. Y'all catch this? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and what was the next thing they told us about him? He was, he was rich. How did he get rich? Who was he collecting taxes on? The Jews. Which is to say that there's nobody in this crowd that likes this dude. And he's little. He little. Shawty say little. He's little. He's like Shawnee's brothers. He's just a small little guy. They are they are hobbits. But if you're watching Gabe, I love you, man. Pastor Gabe. You're big in spirit. Um we we make fun of each other. But he's little, he's a tax collector, and he's rich, which means he's got rich off these people. Now, he's getting ready to encounter Jesus, but he's so small he can't. Now, watch what happens. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. He climbed up in the tree. He wanted to see Jesus. Now, what does he say? When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Oh, my God. Can you see how peed the Jews are about to be? This is their hero, even though they was, you got to remember, this was the time in Jesus' life where the crowds was coming. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people was following the Messiah. They all wanted time with him. And he's giving it to a Gentile that's robbing them. And then knew his name. He knew his name. He said, Zacchaeus, come from the tree. Zacchaeus was not a Christian. He wasn't following Jesus. He knew nothing of the teachings of the Messiah. And it was a super indictment for Jesus to go to his house and talk behind closed doors. Because now it looks like he could be in works with the tax collector. What is Jesus getting on the back end of this stuff? Listen, I learned a long time ago, we're called to live above reproach, not suspicion. That is it. Don't matter what people think you're doing. Reproach is just not doing the wrong thing. But people are going to think what they want. That's right. 
It don't matter. Most people thinking stuff they don't have a clue about. They're just going to think stuff. That's never going to change. People are just nosy. But that's just what it is. So he's behind closed doors with this dude. Now watch this. Notice this. Where did Jesus choose to not have the conversation? He knew Zacchaeus needed freedom. He knew he needed truth. He knew he needed change. He knew we need to encounter God and the love of God. Where did he choose to not have the conversation? In the sycamore tree. He said, get out of the tree. I need you to get this. He could have had the conversation in the tree, but there's no talking to people that's locked up in the tree. Before you can get what I'm going to offer, you got to get out of the tree. You still caught up on all the wrong stuff, knowledge of good and evil. I can't have that conversation with you. You got to get out of the tree. Let's go to your house where it's intimate, where it's personal, where you have fashioned it according to your appetite. Let me see how you desire to live your life. Let me deal with your furniture, the placement of how you got things. See, the house is an intimate place. Jesus is trying to have a conversation with you at home. He don't want to talk to you while you're in the tree. He wants to talk with you at home, behind closed doors. I want to know why you feel the way you feel. I want to show you truth. I want to show you what really happened, how I really was there for you when you thought you was all alone. I want to get in the house. I want to shut the door so none of the crowd that hates you has anything to do with this conversation. And I don't care what they think about me. I'm willing to get into an intimate space with you. I'll put my reputation on the line for your freedom. Oh, that's good teaching. He chose to not have the conversation in the tree. That's what's messing the church up. We so worried about stuff that don't even matter. You can my church, don't wear your hats. What in the world has that got to do with anything? You better wear this and wear that. Don't wear makeup and put this on and make sure the dress is so long. And we're we doing all of these rules. This is tree stuff. Man. My modesty doesn't deliver you from lust. And listen, modesty, if you study the word, it comes from a word that we know in Latin, which literally means the middle. Modesty is the middle. If you're going that far to where the only thing I can see is your doggone eyelids, that's not modest. You went way over on the other side. You look like a ninja. That's not modest. That's not middle. That's not middle ground. Come on now. You went to the father. The pendulum went all the way over here. Freedom is in the middle. Woo! My God, if the barn needs paint, put some paint on it. Ain't nothing wrong with a little makeup. If my knees got you in a lust spirit, you need some real deliverance. I never looked at a woman's knees and said, my God. (laughs) Come on, man. Y'all ever seen a, a woman's knees and just had to go to the altar? I see you over there, Spike. My wife got some nice knees, but I didn't look at them knees and say, man, that's going to be my wife. Girl, how did you even work them things? Like, what, what do you do? We're doing some stupid stuff in church, and we wonder why we ain't reaching the world. The church has only grown because we're having babies in religious circles. That's why the church has grown in certain areas, because we're having babies in religious circles. We're not reaching the lost. 
Come on now, they're afraid to come in. We, we, we want them to look like us when they come in. They've not even experienced God. Why? Because the church is caught up in the tree, man. Get out of the tree, Zacchaeus. Get out of the doggone tree. I tell people I like to play basketball with. And when they find out I'm past, come here, Devon, just real quick. Come on, come, where you at? Come, come up here real quick. Look at this. He'll, he'll testify this. How many times have we play basketball, Devon, and all your friends, because they usually be your homies, that cussing, crazy, smoking weed, doing drugs, killing, stabbing. How many times when you tell them, that's my pastor, what do they do? Then they start, most of them try to get straight. And I always say to them, they'll apologize for cussing. And I always say, listen, what do I always say to them? I said, man, that don't bother me. Let them fly. Why? Because I don't want you to pretend for me. That's where you're at right now. That's where you're at right now. That doesn't offend me. That doesn't offend me at all. That's where you're at. You can't reach people you're disgusted by. You can't reach people you're disgusted by. You know, I always tell Devon, it don't offend me, Devon. <laughs> but it happens all the time. Why? Because I'm not in the tree. I don't live in the tree, man. I live in this, the spirit of life, the Holy Spirit. I've, I eat unclean things. Come on now. I don't mind some pork. I eat some stuff. I'm, t- I'm saying this metaphorically because it's like, man, listen, the church, and I'm specifically talking to VC right now. I know most of our churches, I don't know where they're at, but they're somewhere tonight. But hear me. You guys want to go to the next level. We got to get out of the tree. And not just, not just get out of the tree. Y'all need to start having conversations.